Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a joy to be here with you, to be a part of what God is continuing to do in and through us, God's church, that God calls us into relationship, calls us to be his people, and then sends us into his world to make a difference on his behalf. If you're new here, I just wanted to say you're welcome here. We're excited that you have chosen to join us, whether online or in person. We're just excited that you are here with us, that you will celebrate what God is continuing to do uh, in and through us, and that maybe, maybe you would join us for the journey. We want to be more like Jesus. We recognize that we're not perfect, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus Christ. And so we want to invite you to join with us in a relationship where we seek and strive to be made more like Jesus so that we can be perfected in his image so that we can carry his image into the world and share with others what God has done in our lives and why we are so passionate about following this God and and how we can make a difference in this world. And that's what we've been talking about. Uh, We're on a worship series called Different, which is the idea of taking a look at a letter that was written by a guy named Peter uh, to a bunch of churches in Asia where he's calling them out to live differently, to live differently on behalf of God, not to allow the situations that they're involved in be the thing that dictates who they are, but to recognize that God has called them to something higher. I, I, I remember uh, a couple of times in my life that were formative. Uh, one of them uh, is uh, well, I was in middle school. And I don't know, have you ever been uh, not called on, you know, you were the last person. When I was in middle school, I was super thin. If I turned sideways, I almost disappeared. Um, I ate like a horse, uh, but I just was super thin. I didn't, I didn't grow. I didn't have a growth spurt until uh, later. And so I, I was tall and thin. So when I say growth spurt, I didn't grow out like a normal human. I just grew up uh, and I was thin as a rail. Uh, and we would play dodgeball. That was back in the day when they didn't, didn't make you wear eye protection for dodgeball. They just got you out in the gym when it was raining outside and you threw dodgeballs at one another uh, until you were bruised and hurting on the floor of the gym. Uh, And every time, every time we would have the game of dodgeball, my heart would sink because I knew that I would not be chosen until the very end. My dodgeball prowess was awful. I was terrible at it. You'd think I would be better if I could turn sideways and vanish, but no, I couldn't even think to just turn sideways. I was not good at it, and I I understand that, but that didn't help my self-esteem, my sense of value when it came down, and it was always, always, always the last team that was able to pick had to take me because I was always, they would pick everybody else before me. And I was just like, that's, that's awful. That feeling is a feeling of, of sadness, of, of a lack of value. That There's nothing I bring to the table. And the only reason they're taking me is because they have to, they have no choice. And I, I, I put that uh, at my, my sad end of, of being called out or, or being, uh, being valued or devalued. And then in 2004, when I was working for a company uh, called Pfizer, 
They're a global pharmaceutical company, uh, and I worked in IT there. My, my job title was uh, chief technologist. Uh, it's a great sounding title, which just meant the problems stopped with me. Whatever, whatever the issues were, I was the one that had to figure out how to resolve it. Whether it was a software issue or a hardware issue, they would bring the most difficult issues to me. And I got a call in 2004 uh, from the company's headquarters saying, hey, we are about to shut down internet links between all of our companies because of this virus that has been rolling out. It was called My Doom. Uh, some of you may remember this virus. Uh, if you've ever worked in the IT field, you might. Uh, but I, I, I was told about it very early on, and it was one of those viruses that went through email, and so they were trying to shut down email and trying to clean that up. Uh, but it was still still being spread from individuals uh, that would open their email, even though it wasn't connected anymore, they were able to see the things that it downloaded and, and still propagate that. And it was overloading the email servers. It was just doing some damage. And so they were going to shut everything down. And so I did some research on how to clean the virus. I did some planning on what we could do as a site. So I, I got uh, all of the tech people from the R&D side, research and development side, to the infrastructure side, which was where I worked. And I called everybody together and I was like, guys, we're going to do things this way. So I, I got a, a, a plan and a, a project set up and I knew what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And we had to go to every single machine on every single floor. And then we tagged every machine that we went to so that we knew that we would been, be, had been there. And we told people, hey, if you have a laptop, I, I, we told managers, call all of your people. I don't care if they're salespeople, whatever, call them, tell them to bring their equipment up here and we are going to take care of it. One by one, we moved through repairing these machines and got them all back online and, and worked with the, uh, the email people and they got that all cleaned up. And then our site... Our site in St. Louis was back up and functional. I had, I had communicated this with my managers on site and my managers at other sites uh, saying, hey, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing it. And so I got started getting phone calls from different sites saying, hey, how did you do it exactly? Give us all of the steps that you took. And, and so I wrote this big document and sent it to them. And, and I was on top of my game in that moment. Things were out of control and chaotic and I was calm. I knew what we had to do. I knew how we had to do it. And I knew that we could be successful in doing it. And I led us through that. And it was one of those moments in my life when I was like, this is what I am here for. I, I was called for that moment. And, and it felt so good. And I was appreciated because I was valuable in solving the issue. I I was appreciated because we were able to get back to work. And, and I was told by the company's managers, their higher ups, hey, great job. We are so glad you were able to help us figure this out. Thank you. Uh, you are valuable part of our team. And, and 
That's kind of the key for being called. Being called is that you find purpose and value in who you are because of what you're able to bring to the table or what you allow to be done through you. That you know that your learning and your education or whatever it is can, can be used in this moment to make a difference. And so we're going to take a look at First Peter because one of the themes that you will notice if you read through this, and it's only five chapters, I, I encourage you to go ahead and read through it, um, spend some time reading through it, but First uh, Peter has a theme in it of being called or chosen or being set apart, being special. And, and the reason that that is the theme that Peter uses is because that's the reality of who God is and what God is doing. First Peter was a letter that was written to the churches in Asia. When there was a lot of persecution by the Roman Empire, Nero, the emperor of Rome, hated Christians and had brought about a new level of persecution. And so in this, Peter writes this letter, um, and the theme, one of the, the major themes that he calls out is this idea of being chosen or called. And so one of the things we're going to do, we've been doing it, we, we started by saying, hey, we're going to be different during this time. We're going to start by taking a look at our Bibles. Uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up. We're going to be looking at 1 Peter, which is uh, five books from the end of the Bible. Uh, and it's uh, so all the way into the New Testament, almost at the very end. And we're going to be looking at the second chapter of 1 Peter. And we're going to look at verses 9 through verses 12. And I want to encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, if you want a physical copy of a Bible, just let us know. We would love to get you one. We have them here. Uh, if you're physical, physically here. Uh, but we also, if you uh, send us a, an email online, we're glad to send you a Bible as well. And so for the, the reading of God's word, I just want to encourage you, if you, whether you're at home or here, let's go ahead and stand up for a moment and, and we can read together um, this story from Jesus or from Peter uh, through the spirit of Jesus. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And it didn't click. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Uh, what we did last week is we, we took a moment and high-fived all around. So I'm going to encourage you, if you, if you are at home, uh, go ahead and high-five yourself and say, instead of just you are different, recognize that you are called to be different and, and just give yourself a high-five or anybody around you. Uh, we're excited that you are called to be different, that I am called to be different. And I, I just love the idea 
the concept that calling is almost a mystical thing in church language. When we talk about being called by God, it's almost this sense of, I have a super special purpose that God has called me to, and only I can fulfill this purpose. And, and, and we look at it and we elevate our calling so much that we think that um, only like pastors or uh, people that are called into ministry are being called. And the truth is that God calls each and every one of us. And so if we understand that God calls each and every one of us, then we can ask, you know, what, what does that look like? And what does it mean to be called by God? And, and the truth is this, God will give you a who before a do. God will give you an identity of who you are before he calls you into doing or act into action uh, on doing something. God will give you a who before a do, an identity before a job. And so the question is, who are we as Christians? What does it mean for us to follow Christ? The thought uh, uh, of, uh, the, you know, the thought of the church at the time of Peter was that Christians were thought of harshly. Uh, they, they were hated. Uh, they were hated because of their different beliefs, because they had the audacity be to believe that Jesus was the only king that you should worship. Uh, but there were also other things that were of concern to the people around them. Uh, they were thought of poorly at the time of Peter because they were believed to be superstitious. They thought about miracles and resurrection and people coming back from the dead oh, these superstitious Christians, or they were thought of as incestuous, that they were married to their spouse, but they referred to their spouses as brother or sister because Jesus said, you're all in one family. And so they started having this brother-sister language and it confused people. Or even worse, they were accused of being cannibals. Jesus said, take my body and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. We do this every time we talk about communion. And, and it led people to believe that, hey, these guys are, are eating people and they're cannibals. And while I don't think that I have ever been accused of being one of those things, um, it's interesting that that's the place that the world was telling them that's who they were. You guys are, are superstitious, incestuous, you're cannibals, you're not making sense. And you have the audacity to believe that Jesus came back back from the dead. And so Peter wants to clarify to them who they are. He says this, but you are a chosen, chosen people. You are, you are special. You are called. You have a purpose, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praise, uh, praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are special. You're a royal priesthood. You are called, chosen, appointed, prepared by God for this moment. And, and today, today we might, we not, aren't thought of in the whole incestuous cannibal or, or that sort of way. Uh, instead, uh, we're more thought of as judgmental or hypocritical 
or self-righteous. Uh, you know, the, the thought that, hey, Christians just can't have any fun because fun and sin are three-letter words, so they just chuck them both out. We're thought of as being over-the-top judgmental and over-the-top hypocritical. We say one thing and do another. We say we believe one thing and live a different way than we say we believe, or we're self-righteous. All of these things, unfortunately, unfortunately, some of us, some of us have earned those titles. I almost prefer the first three, to be honest, that, that I would prefer to be called the first three because of those things, because that would, people would be able to recognize that I was different, not because I was being judgmental or harsh or hate-filled, but instead I was filled with love and compassion. That would be great if we were known instead of, uh, instead of by our judgment or self-righteousness or hypocritical lifestyle, that we were known because of our love, that we loved Jesus more than anything else. Peter urges us in that same letter, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, foreigners and exiles. This land you live in is not your own. God is coming back. And when God comes back, he's going to do a new thing with creation. And then you will be at home. But until then, you are living as foreigners and, and exiles. And so while you are here as foreigners and exiles, abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, incestuous cannibals that, that, that are, are breaking normal conventions, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live, live as an example Live as an example for God so that he can, people can see who you are, even though we put a, a different label on you. And the truth is this, you are, you are a royal priesthood called by God through Christ Jesus for God's purpose. And if you are called as a royal priesthood, then God has a plan and purpose for you, God's priesthood is not something that just wanders aimlessly and, and tries to get by, but instead you are called to something more than that. And it's not just in the ministry um, in the church building, it's a ministry in the world. And so I, I, I classify this um, as two callings. We have a primary call and a secondary call. Our primary call is a call to love. A call to love God with all that we are and a call to love our neighbor as ourselves. A call to allow God to move in and through us. A call to God so that we can use by God and through us, us others can see God moving. And then the secondary call is just for you 
in this moment. Calls change. The secondary call uh, for me was initially a call to youth ministry, and then it changed to a call to uh, pastoral ministry. And my call um, before that was a call to uh, represent Jesus in the office. And, and so many calls on our lives uh, have, have gone unheeded because we don't put the energy or effort into thinking that we're called. We don't recognize that in the moment, in each and every moment, we're called to God and we're called to a mission in God's world. Calling is understanding that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is lived out as a response. Calling is understanding that God calls us to himself so decisively that everything we are, everything we do, and everything we have is lived out as a response. Understanding your calling allows you to see, to see beyond the concept of who the world sees you as, to seeing more of who God sees you to be. That God has in mind for you to do a great work for the kingdom of God. That God has in mind for you to understand your value to the kingdom of God. That God has in mind for you to be his royal priesthood chosen by God and set to work in his world. And so the questions I have for me are, you know, things like this. Do you have a reason for being? Do you have a reason for being? What, what is your purpose? Is there a bigger purpose, a higher calling that God has placed on your life than what you are living up to? Do you have a focused sense of purpose in your life? That purpose that God has for you, do you understand it? Not only do you understand it, but do you live into it? so that you can be the people that God wants you to be, so that you can be a part of what God is calling you to be, so that you can live into the hope that God offers for you, so that you can fulfill your calling. And finally, do you want to go beyond significant or success to significance? Do you just want to be successful, or do you want to be significant? Because God doesn't call you just to success. God calls you to significance, to building part of the kingdom of God right here and right now, which echoes into eternity. The work we do, while we don't understand how it works, the work we do here and now matters for all time. We need to learn to embrace your call that you have been called by God to be different. You have been called by God because you have been made new in the image of God, that you have been called by God, forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ and recreated into a new creation. We are made new. We are to be a force for change. We are a holy priesthood chosen by God to represent him in this world. 
We need to recognize that. We need to take that home, that we are a chosen priesthood. We are chosen by God. We need to take that to our jobs, that we are a chosen priesthood, a holy priesthood called by God. We need to take that to our golf games, that we are a holy priesthood chosen by God. We need to take that to our happy hours, to our football parties, to our jobs, to our lives, everywhere, the street corners, the grocery store, everywhere we are, we need to recognize that we are called to be different. We are a holy priesthood chosen by God so that we can be a light that shines in the darkness for the glory of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for who you are and the gift you give us in Jesus Christ for life made new in him and the hope we have in eternal life that although this world is not our home, you call us to work right here and now. And until you come and recreate the world through Jesus in the new creation, help us to serve you in every moment and in every way that we are called to be that holy priesthood, that we are called to be beacons of light, shining your glory into the world. Let us do that here and now, Lord. Help us to be your people, called by your name, the holy priesthood, sharing your light and love with each and every person in each and every moment. Call us, Lord, and send us into your world. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.